look how they massacred the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, The Godfather. Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time, the podcast in which I, your co-host, the godfather, Rick Barrasso. <laughs> and I am the big tech Boski. We're going to watch every <laughs> single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I've never been better. Excellent. I can't <laughs> wait for today's episode. We could talk the godfather all night yes and we just might so we'll let's, try not uh, to let's let's get going on this before we get to our deep dive into the godfather let's take care of some business last week we had an episode that i had been waiting a long time to do we talked all about star wars and i really enjoyed that one i've been getting some excellent feedback and i hope you will listen to that one as well as any of our library we are on spotify we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on basically whatever you listen to podcasts on, you will find us. Yes. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, review it. That would be so helpful for the show. And subscribe anywhere. It's going to be super helpful, like I said. So please do that. And if you enjoyed it, that episode or any episode, or you have anything else you want to see us cover, let us know. On social media, we are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We are at Rick and Rec on Instagram. That's at R I C K and R E K. And you can always email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And of course, as one of our best friends in the world, I'm seriously considering having him stand godfather to my child, Oof. if and when I have one. Bruce Wayne, as he would say, tell your friends about us. Yes. Today, though, we two Italian-American men are going <laughs> to do what Italian-American men do best. Mm -hmm. And that's talk about the godfather for like an hour yes, so, or more. So that's we're really just in our absolute sweet spot here. So for those of you that don't know, The Godfather is a 1972 capital M masterpiece. And it's about a lot of things, but it's mostly about the Corleone crime family. It's directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It's got Al Pacino as Michael Corleone, Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone, Diane Keaton as Kay Adams, Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, and James Caan as Sonny Corleone. It's got a 9.2 on the Internet Movie Database, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 100 on Metacritic. Wow. Yep. 
it has grossed the gross is sort of up in the air it's somewhere in the range of 246 to 287 million depending on what sources you're using and it costs between six and seven million dollars to make so obviously huge hit Mm -hmm. our girl pauline kale i agree with her this week she called it just a great merger of commerce and art roger ebert said it was brilliant four out of four Gene Siskel washed the demon makeup off his face for a minute, and he gave it four out of four as well. <laughs> Stanley Kaufman of the New Republic disagreed, and he really seemed to have a problem with Brando's performance. Basically said, ah, Brando's full of hot air. It, it, it seems like a personal thing. Yeah. Like, like, like seriously? Like, he's I – I can't even I'm, – I'm actually kind of heated right now. That anybody would would give this movie anything. You don't fucking like The Godfather? What the fuck? No, he, I, I think Brando is such, um, such such a, a, a huge figure in movies and in acting in the the middle of the twentieth century. It's uh, people are going to have strong opinions on him, yeah. and you know this is a very Brando-y performance. And I mean, not, not to mention to, to start digging in deep already. I mean, they didn't, the producers did not want Brando in this movie. There was a lot of, a lot of uh, crap about that. They didn't want Brando. They thought he was hard to work with. He was too clean cut looking. He, he's not, he wasn't going to have a good performance and boy, were they wrong. Well, you've seen the, you've seen the pictures of, you know, whenever someone else's back is to the camera and Brando's face is to the camera, his lines are just written on them. Right, right. Like they're human cue cards. So I can I can definitely see like, oh, this fucking guy. But, you know, obviously it's one of the, the, the most incredible, iconic performances in the history of movies. So, yep. yeah, that's a good decision. Keeping Brando. Uh, Derek, do you remember the first time you saw The Godfather? You know, I was thinking about this and I don't know if this is accurate, but I remember hearing a big buzz about it. Just my my whole life, I always knew that this was a very important movie. And I think one day, um, I think it was in early high school, I stayed home sick and I wasn't sick. I told my parents I didn't feel good. You I stayed scoundrel. home. I stayed home just so I could watch The Godfather. And I watched it in my bedroom and I remember, and, I, and I, Rick, you know me, I, I like to tell the truth. I'm very, my, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I felt like it was home to me the first time I saw it. I was, I just never resonated with a movie like that ever. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm Italian and I kind of understand what they're talking about a little bit uh, as far as like, you know, the, the, the food and things like that, the way they talk. And my, my family's like that, but just the, the cinematography, the acting, the story, the themes, the music, I just, <gasps> Oh my God. And, and I've seen it probably a solid 60 times since then. Um, and wow. I watched it, I watched it again recently and I, um, I was so happy I did. It just, it just brings me back. I can literally watch that movie. I think it's a three hour movie. I could, I could watch it basically anytime. I think I, I'm, I'm that invested in the, the Francis Ford Coppola or, or Mario Puzo's universe, so to speak. Yeah. Similar story. I was, early high school when I first watched it as well. And it just, it pressed all the right buttons for me. I, I really do think that this movie, I think the reason why it works so well is, I mean, I, I think, you know, you and I to an extent identify with the, the, the setting and the, the dressing and, you know, oh, there's someone, you know, making sauce and there's, 
yeah, this or that and the, all the Italian-American you know, trappings of it. But really what the movie is, in my opinion, is the story of the it's, – it's the immigrant story in America yep. and how American society can warp something potentially that is very good. And that shoots right through Godfather 2, and that's going to be something – you know, if if you've seen the the Godfather epic that HBO cut together, which Godfather one and two, you see these two movies intertwine so much, and it's it's so many of the same, uh, so many of the same themes and how it works. So, so it the, just works the, for everybody. The epic is not the same as the one that they because I know there's one that they do like everything chronologically. I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it is because I know there's yeah. a new something newer that came out recently. But yeah, I don't think I've ever done the Godfather epic all the way through. So I'm. It's I'm really for... good. They put in some deleted scenes. Uh, I actually watched YouTube last night late because I watched the Godfather Part Two last night late, and it's a three and a half hour movie. So, um, yeah. but I watched a whole clip of all the deleted scenes throughout the entire all the movies, and I was like, "Holy crap!" It's just so yeah, many good they things. They put a lot of those in the stuff with with Janko and the stuff. Janko. Somebody commented. Yeah. They said they said uh, this video of deleted scenes is better than most actual movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's the the scene where where Michael gets uh, gets revenge uh, oh, for Fabrizio. For, for, yeah, and and just kills Fabrizio in the same way that he, uh, he tried to kill him and, and, and did kill Apollonia. Yep. So a lot of great deleted scenes and they, they actually, I mean, if you have eight hours to kill the Godfather epic, uh, I don't, I don't know where you can find it. I don't know if HBO still has it up, but right. Uh, it's fun way to kill an afternoon or, or an entire day. Yeah. So, so you're listening to our podcast, dear listener. And somehow, you're listening to a movie podcast and you haven't seen The Godfather. It's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> but do better. Ugh, I was struggling with I was struggling through that one. I know. Do better. Watch it. But if you don't <laughs> have the time right now, because it is a long movie, we're gonna boil it down and explain what happens in 30 seconds. And Derek is gonna do that. He's gonna time me by putting a song on his Spotify and Derek, what did you choose for the Godfather? I'll tell you what I I'm looking through songs right now. So I'm kind of, I'm obviously you can tell I'm delaying. I am going to choose right now. Let me see. I'm just want to, I want to make sure it's good. You know, I'm going to choose cherub rock by the smashing pumpkins. All right. Count me down. Three, two, one. Sometime after his daughter's wedding, Vito Corleone is shot and gravely injured for not wanting to get into the drug business, keeping his mob business relatively clean. His sons attempt to control the crime empire and get revenge for the attempt on their father's life. His youngest son, Michael's plan, seemed to work best. Sonny, the oldest, is gunned down when his new brother-in-law takes advantage of his rage. Vito recovers and able to make a tenuous peace with the other families, but passes control to the family of Michael. The youngest Corleone stands godfather to his sister's child and has all of the enemies of the family killed time. Excellent job. So I gave you an extra second just because I wanted to hear what you had to say. <laughs> that's, that's fine. You didn't say go. So I was, I didn't, I, I know you were waiting for me to say that. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. You son of a bitch. Dick Boski. Dick Boski. Ah. So Sometimes. there's a lot to love about this movie. And every week we go through our subject and we name our top three favorite scenes. So we're going to do that this week as well. Now, Derek, what'd you have for number three? All right. So, Ooh, this was hard. 
uh, this whole movie is a great scene. Um, you know, so I have to cheat a lot in this. And I will say, I'm just going to give my, my quick uh, fourth because I really wanted to mention the scene. Yeah. And my fourth favorite was uh, Connie's wedding in the beginning of the movie. Um, from beginning to end, there's a beautifully shot scene. I can literally recite the whole scene because I've seen it so many times. Um, it shows you every character and sort of what they're about a little bit. It sure. sh- you know what I mean? It shows you uh, Michael being in, in the war and he's not part of the family business. Sonny's kind of a little hot and he's, he's cheating on his wife. Uh, Tom Hagen's very respectable and he's helping the Don with all these, uh, these people coming in for, for requests. And and then Fredo's kind of a goofball and a little drunk. You get all like the sun. Everything is, is great in the scene, but I will, I will move on to the number three scene of this movie. And by God, this was difficult. My number three is the baptism scene at the end, which is one of the most epic scenes in the history of cinema. So many things have spoofed it. As, uh, uh, one of them is Breaking Bad actually spoofs it in season five, which is excellent. Well, not spoofs it, but, but kind of get, pays it homage, I should say. Yeah, it does a little. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, this is great. Uh, Michael's, uh, you know, going to be the godfather to Connie's baby, and this is the day he takes care of all family business, you know, and he key whacks everybody, all the main heads of the five family, well, I guess the remaining four families. He kills Mo Green in charge of Vegas, and he takes care of Carlo Rizzi later. But this is such an epic scene, the way the editing goes back and forth, and the music, and then the piano, and, you know, do you denounce Satan? Yes, I do. Boom, another person gets killed, and it's just a great scene. If you can, if you know, I know people have a hard time going back and watching older movies, but this is so great. Like, I, I'm surprised this is my number three, to be honest. I had a hard time organizing these, but that's my that's my three. Yeah. So I have an honorable mention as well, and that is the scene where Vito warns the heads of the other families that they better allow Michael to come home from Italy yes. safely. And I actually did, I took in college a, basically a class about public speaking. And we looked at famous speeches. And like the final for the, the class was do a, a report, write an essay about a fictional or, you know, real speech. And I chose this one. And Excellent. I wrote a final in college about this scene. That's amazing. It, yeah, it it was tremendous. It's just didn't, did, didn't know I could like you more, Rick. Well, of course you can. You can always stand to like me more, and that goes for everyone listening. <laughs> so, he yeah, Vito just lays waste to everybody that might think that he's weak after his return after being shot and his making peace. But my number three scene is the scene where Michael kills Solozzo and McCluskey mm-hmm. in the restaurant. And just how the tension builds in this scene where we go from, you know, is Michael for real? You know, is it, and we, at, at the same time, we're saying, you know, are they going to go to the right place? They're swerving, turning around on the bridge to make sure no one's following them. Is the gun going to be there? You know, is, yeah, they're they're speaking Italian, and you know you may not know what they're saying necessarily. What's going on? And then just the surprise as Michael just blows both of them away. Mm-hmm. It just all builds up to just this eruption, this explosion, literally in this case. And it's just such a great scene. And I, yeah, it's just one of those scenes. And you can say this about all of the scenes in this movie. It's just something you have to sit there and watch, and you can't walk away from it. Yeah. So what did you have for your number two? We can keep talking about it. That's my number two. Okay. Um, and, you know, I did see something 
once it was some sort of a special on TV and it was about how to film great scenes and how they work. And, and the, 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 the uh, show picked three scenes from different movies. And one of them was this scene and they showed you the scene without any, any noise or music in the background. So when Michael's sitting there and he's ready to, 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 to kill them both, there's uh, there's tension, of course, because Pacino's got a great face and he does it well, but there's no music and there's no sound. And then they showed you, here's how this scene uh, creates tension. They added that train. They added the music, the intensity. Oh, I think it was just train sound. And they, they added that. And it shows you how intense the scene was getting. And uh, Pacino's eyes are getting wider and wider and he's getting more nervous. And uh, it was incredible to see how they, the, the scene was put together. But, uh, you know, it, it's a nerve wracking scene, you know, especially when Michael's sitting there. He asks just the way Clemenza said, he said, make sure you ask for permission to go to the bathroom. And he does ask permission. And uh, McCluskey, you know, says to Soloso, don't worry, I already frisked him. And Soloso kind of his eyes kind of squint a little bit, kind of like, what are you doing here? What are you, what are you, you? I didn't know if he thinks something's going on or if maybe Soloso just thought like he was being a rude or something like that, but Siloto frisks him a little, he comes back with the gun and uh and the one thing I always note and always realize is that Clemenza's like, make sure you shoot them both in the head twice. He says it twice at Michael. And he only shoots Siloto once in the head. And it's probably because of nerves. But Siloto's head goes right back in the seat. He's dead. I mean he, <laughs> and yeah. then shoots McCluskey in the freaking neck and then shoots him in the head. And the the actor who plays McCluskey does a great job with uh, the fear in his face and the way yeah. his hands move. And it's just such a great, the table flips over. Michael drops the gun just as he's told, but he, it looks like he almost forgets. And as, as he's walking out, these, there's the, uh, the, bah, 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 bah. it's just like, Oh my God, like what a scene. This could be number one on anyone's list. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And it's just very, it's just really difficult, but that yeah. that's my number two. I think, I think Michael made it a little bit more painful for, uh, for McCluskey on purpose. I think, you punch him in the face and he's going to shoot you in the neck. That's just how Michael is. Yeah, you're good. He's, he's in the middle of eating. And, and, and again, I love, I love some of the moments in the scene too, where there's something that I do with my, like, you know, my family or, or friends or whatever who know the movie. I'll say, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, how's the veil in this, in this? Oh, no, I say, uh, how's the, uh, how's the Italian food in this restaurant? And they say, try the veil. It's the best in the city. And I go, I'll have it. <laughs> you know, I always just say the, the lines that everyone forgets about. I mean, to be fair though, if I had my choice, I'd die face down on a plate of veal parm as well. So <laughs> I, I get it. I t- it's okay. It's a good way to go. It is a good way to go. Yeah. So my number two is actually one you already mentioned is the wedding. And it's just so warm. And it's it, – this is – and this – we're doing one and two back-to-back. We're doing two next week. And I know we're going to talk about the, the first communion scene in that one. And I think that scene actually makes this one better because this is how things should be this is it's so warm it's so full of love it's really the last time that the whole family is together and happy and like i guess with the exception of sunny cheating on his wife but even like Vito, do you think Vito is chastising sunny because as soon as he comes downstairs he's like a man who doesn't spend time with his family isn't a man at all. That's a good. That's a good point. I never actually picked up on that, and, and I think so. I mean, because especially later, v, Vito kind of chastises him. Just he's like, you're, "You're playing around with that young girl. Your brain's going soft." So yeah. he, he is. Vito's absolutely aware of it, and Vito's just trying to teach everyone all the time. He's right. he's looking for the person who's going to replace him, and Michael does replace him, but I don't know. I don't know if he's the right person. We'll. Uh, yeah, you make up a good point too, Rick, because I, I wonder in later mafia movies and, and, and obviously the Sopranos, Goodfellas, shows like that, it seems as though that 
the heir apparent type thing isn't really a thing, but in this time frame, it was like uh, Vito Colleone is the head of the family, and it looks like the next person in charge would be his son yeah. or his oldest son. But I feel like in future, I don't know if this is a Cosa Nostra thing or if it's just the next guy who's supposed to be in line. It's very interesting to think about. I'm not sure how the hierarchy works back then, but I didn't know if it was a bloodline thing, but you know, interesting. Cosa Nostra doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. So I also want to just shout out Luca Brazzi. May your first child be a masculine child. <laughs> Do you know the story behind that? Yeah, he was he was super nervous to, yeah. to work with Rando. And they were like, we're going to use that because Luca yeah, would be yeah, nervous around yeah. Vito. And, and Francis Ford Coppola being the great director as he, that he is, he later on was like, you know what? I'm going to film Luca then practicing his lines to make it all connect and, you know what I mean? Make him seem nervous yeah. so that that later scene makes sense. And it's just, this is wonderful. Yeah. And and then, of course, the opening with, with Bonacera and you know, yep. I and, love and, and, America. And, I love America. And uh, be, my, be my friend. God, yes. father. I, and, that's, I, and, and that's and, what I say. Yeah. This is the story of America, the story of the American immigrant experience. The first line of the movie is, I love America. Yeah, I believe in America. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, Enzo, Enzo the Baker, that guy comes in and he talks to him. Um, the Johnny Fontaine stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, you know, a lot of people say it's very uh, on the lines of like Frank Sinatra's relationship. Well, it could be, yeah. yeah and so, Frank Sinatra later. Uh, all right. Yeah. So uh, what's your number one scene? My number one scene is uh, it's a string of scenes in a row, so I kind of cheated. Yeah. And this is when, and again, this is a brutal fucking scene. Um, it's when Carlo beats his pregnant wife Connie, which leads into Sonny Corleone being enraged, getting killed, uh, shot a million times yeah. by uh, b- by the rest of the families, and then the next scene after that was Tom Hagen having to sit down and tell Vito what happened. Ugh. And I think those three scenes in a row are uh it's just so intense it's some of the especially that scene with tom and Vito is some of the best acting the way the way brando stops and the way he reacts to things he's just uh, he's he, he makes me want to go and just be in things i want to act just like i mean i mean i'm sure there's some been so many people which want to i want to be like brando and the way he acts and and thinks about things but those three scenes in a row that string of scenes is just so heavy duty and yeah. um and, and 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 you know shortly after that we find out you know, and uh, Michael, you know, Michael finds out that uh, that Sonny's dead. And the second he finds out, Apollonia is, uh, come on, come on, honking the horn. It's like he just found out that his brother died. What just, I mean, uh, the whole string of scenes is just so powerful and amazing. I couldn't just pick one. Yeah, this this movie is just, it just fucking throws heat the whole time. There's yeah. maybe one scene, but we'll talk about that in a second. My number one scene, it's the ending montage it's the, yep. the baptism of course all the way through the end of the movie right yeah all so yeah we, we you covered it beautifully where it's just do you renounce satan dead it you know and just something that should be sacred and is said to be sacred a relationship a godfather to a, to a godchild early in the movie is just bastardized and made evil in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then you see Connie. Before we can get up to that, it, you have the the two deaths that are sort of drawn out a bit where we you don't actually necessarily even see one where yeah, you know, they explain Tessio, sorry, we get we got you. Yeah. And just Ava Goda, just great scene. Great scene. 
in and of itself. And then the stuff with Carlo, where it's like, you got to answer for Sonny. You yeah. got you to gotta answer for Sonny. And, and it, it's, it's funny that Michael makes a point to just make sure that Carlo knows, like, you really think you could fool a Colleone? Yeah. I, I was You're waiting, not I was, one of us. I, I yeah. was waiting for my moment. Like, I'm smarter than yeah. you, and, and it's incredible. Yeah. And, and then you have Tal- Talia Shire as, as Connie, just throughout the entire trilogy, just has so many different shows so many different sides of its character and just when she runs in just inconsolable it's like you get read the papers that's your husband he had my husband killed before we went on our honeymoon just losing her mind it's it's such a great moment and then you have the door being closed yeah you know on k and you just see the monster you have to reckon with the monster that michael who was the good kid you have to reckon with the monster that he's become. And, and, and to, to speak on that, I mean, Kay is the ultimate outsider in this movie. Um, she really is. And, uh, and it really, th- yeah. that, that's, that door on her face is just like, this is going to be your life. You, you will never be in that room yeah. if Michael has anything to say about it. Right. But we'll talk about Kay in a, in a second. So that, that's our, those are our favorite parts of the movie. And even in such a, a masterpiece as this, there are some things that maybe don't work so well. So, Derek, what is your least favorite part of the movie? Uh, I really had a nitpick here. I really had a nitpick uh, because this – you'll find out later how much – I mean, I'm, I'm sure you already know that, that this yeah. is a big, big, big movie for me. But um, the worst part of the movie for me is just a little mistake, and that is uh, when Sonny's beating the shit out of Carlo on the yep. street. Yeah, he, I guess miss, that he, too. he misses his face he by a mile and a half. Whips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Coppola probably saw that and was like, should I? Ref-? And it's just like, he misses a mile. And the, I would say the one cool thing about the scene, if you really pay attention and look at the background, is um, the actor who plays Jenko in The Godfather Part Two, who also plays Carbone and, and Goodfellas, um, is in the background watching this fight happen. And he has some funny reactions. But yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty bad whiff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have that one. And it's also like, oh, Sonny's this huge badass. He totally whiffs, and then he just, like, bites his fingers. He bites his fingers. What the he's hell a, is he's that? A, he's a dirty fighter, you know? I mean, the guy beat up his sister. He's going to do anything, I guess. Yeah, but, like, Sonny is portrayed, and, and more in the book than, I guess, the movie. In the, in the movie, they're like, oh, you get a big temper. You get a big temper. But especially in the book, it's like, Sonny is a fucking badass. And this is just like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's just biting fingers, like, yeah, like a like he's fighting like a, I, I don't know, like someone who doesn't know how to fight. Right. Uh, but I have one more. All right. And this is actually something that, that Jen and I talked about while we were watching the movie. So the wedding scene, which we both love. It made, yeah, it, it, we, we both talked about it in our, in our favorite scenes. What did Michael tell Kay about his family before the wedding? Because she seems real surprised that there are mafiosos there like there she's like and you if you're gonna let's say let's put ourselves in this position if you have a criminal in your family if you have uh, if you're having a you're you're at a wedding and you know that there is going to be a psychopath like luca brazzi there don't you give her a heads up if you're bringing her be like hey there might be some people there that you're going to want to avoid because my family, not me, my family is this, especially when he's, he's already serious enough about her to be like, you're in the picture with us. You're in the wedding picture. 
she walks in blind. Well, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, I, I see Kay as this person who's a little naive at first. And I think that she's kind of head over heels for Michael. And I, I'm sure Michael gave some sort of a cover up where he's like, you know, my father's in the, the olive oil business. And he could have been kind of ashamed, but he, he seems to not be so much, especially when he's sitting down with her and he's like, oh, you know, here's this true story about how my father held a gun against somebody's head and, you know, your brain's going to be on this contract. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, and, and I'm going to admit this, and I'm, I, I can't believe that I'm admitting this, but I have not read the book, and I have been meaning to for years. So, so the next thing I'm going to do is read the books. So I don't know. You might know better than I do. do they, does that explain a little bit more? It's been I, – I read the book in high school, so I'll, I'll, I will have to revisit it. So the – the thing about the book is there is the stuff they cut out of the book were very good decisions as to what to cut out. I know about the Lucas stuff. Well, there's the Lucas stuff and that would be tough because you just, you wouldn't be able to put it on screen. Right. But do you know about the Sonny and Lucy Mancini subplot? I I know. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I know that Sonny supposedly has like a, like a humongous dick. Sonny has a humongous dick and Lucy Mancini's vagina is also deformed to the point where she only can have sex with someone with a giant dick. Gotcha. Okay. That um, is that is a subplot in the book. And there's also there's more stuff out in California uh, as well. But I, I know that during the wedding, especially uh, Sonny's wife is sitting there and she's like, yeah, putting her giant hand dick. Yeah. And, and then she turns around and like, and then it's literally as uh, Lucy and Sonny are walking away, and I'm like, does yeah. she know? I wonder if she she probably knows about yeah. that but you know it's her it's her i don't know it's it's odd yeah i'm trying to remember if it plays out the same way but the, i mean the fact of the matter is at least in the movie k is seems like getting this information for the first time and i feel like that's something for someone who plans ahead like michael does for everything he should have let her know beforehand right right or maybe, I mean, again, I, I'm I'm trying to defend the plot as much as I can, and I'm wondering if, you know, he did tell her that this was the case, but it was she sort of made it into more of because you know how like people say like, oh, Goodfellas is a little bit more how it was, but Godfather's a little bit more romanticized, yeah, version of it. I'm wondering if that was sort of like, you know, my my family's into involved in this, but you know, and especially I wonder if like. Michael knew subconsciously, like, well, it's my sister's wedding. I don't think that somebody like Luca is going to um, act up here. So I don't think she has even any. Even so, wouldn't she? And again, he's also, he's yeah. also telling her, like, the history of his family because, yeah. like, she doesn't know about Tom Hagen. Right. That's true, too. Yeah. I think she's left in the dark in a lot of this. He's, he's like, he's, and it's like, and that's not even like a criminal story. It's like, yeah, my my family took this kid in. He's like a brother to me, and like I introduced him as my brother. And she's like, "What do you mean, your brother?" It's it's it's. I think that whole relationship is kind of weird, because mm-hmm. I mean, how long how long is Michael in Italy? It's it's yeah, like a year, a year, a year at least, yeah. and then he's back for another six months. Yeah. Or, or what, how long does he say? Six months or a year, something like that. He, he, says, a, he, says, he says he's been back for a year. He just says he's been back for a year, longer at least. Yeah. Yeah. So. At minimum, he has not seen her in two years, and he just rolls up, and he's like, hey, what are you going to do? Let's go. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a weird relationship, and obviously, it's super toxic in how it – like, especially in part two. But we'll talk about that next week. So let's get to medals. And this is super hard because there are 
probably 10 people, if not more, that you can make a real case for to get medals. For sure. So who do you have for – and that being said, we'll probably have the same, same three. Uh, I, like, I said before, I, like I said before, I did my little cheat thing here. I, I couldn't make up my mind. Okay. Um, so this is a three-way tie, and this is the only time the I bronze? do a tie. Yeah, this is the only time I do a tie, and, and this is for Pacino, Robert Duvall, and James Caan. I think the three of them do such a great job in their, in their stereotypical roles. And um, they all play off each other really well. I love when there's scenes together. I wish there was more scenes with Fredo involved with them too. Um, because I think John Cazale is, uh, in, he's done five, he did five movies in his life and they They're were all in classics. Yeah. And he was with Meryl Streep and she, after he died, she was like, he was the, the best person I ever knew. So everything about him makes me just like really emotional and upset because he seems like such a great person. But James Caan is, you know, he's so, he's so good in this and, and Robert De Niro even um, auditioned for this role. And uh, there's actually clips of it on YouTube, which are hilarious. We'll get to um, that later. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, but James Caan, he deserved the role. He nailed it. And uh, he, he, he said later in an interview, he said that he got a bunch of Italian American awards and he's like, I guess I'm the only Jew in history who got the Italian American <laughs> award. Um, and James Caan, he, you know, a lot of people probably thought he was Italian because he acted the role so well. Robert Duvall is uh, one of the greatest character actors, I think in the history of cinema. And I think Tom Hagen is one of the most important characters in the movie. And uh, his relationship with Vito and Michael and Sonny, Sonny too. Sonny's the one who, who found Tom on the streets and took him home. And I think, I think despite the fact that Tom and Sonny uh, have different opinions on, on, on how the family should move forward and Vito's sick, uh, I think Tom really loves Sonny and looks up to him and uh, has, a, has a spot in his heart for Michael as well. And I think that he's such an uh, important part of this movie. And Al Pacino, the guy that the producers didn't want, he was the short little guy that, 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 who was unknown and they didn't want him. They thought he was bland um, until they saw the scene where he shot Saloto. They finally thought he was good for it. I think, uh, you know, Pacino, the way he does this role, he starts as this innocent man and sort of starts to become a vulture. And I think his, uh, and we'll get into this in the second one too, but he starts to, his back starts to arch. He, he looks more menacing and uh, he just becomes he, he, a totally different person. And I don't even think as much as v, what Vito's done in his life, I don't think Vito's ever looked, his eyes has never looked as cold blooded as Michael's does, especially at the end of the movie. He, so he, let's, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here because yeah. I think, so this sort of ties in to to my bronze as well my bronze goes to robert duvall right and we'll talk about that and i'm going to get back to Vito and and the sons because i think this is it's something to consider something i somehow i've some way i've looked at this so the second i knew duvall was going to get my bronze is actually the scene where michael volunteers to kill mccluskey and Solozzo. yep and Sonny and Tessio and Clemenza, they're all laughing at him. But Hagen immediately knows because Hagen has the ability to discern somebody's true nature, I feel. Yes, like. I, right? I agree. Yeah. Right. He knows that the producer is like a full of hot air and he can take care of him. You know, he, and he sees in Michael the seriousness that the others don't. Right. Right. And I think that is because, and I think Duval does such a great job of portraying this because I think Hagen is really, other than blood, the best person to take over as Don. Absolutely. Right. Because I think the biological sons 
all got one aspect of veto. I think Michael got his brain, Sonny got his brawn, and Fredo got his heart. And they're lacking the other two. And I think Hagen got a little bit of all three because he spent the most time with them. He was the one who was, we talked about Vito is, is giving these lessons all the time. Tom is listening. Yeah. And Sonny's not listening. And Michael's listening probably too well and taking maybe the wrong message from it. And, you know, and Fredo is, is, you know, he's Fredo. And, and and to add to your point, and again, this is a movie we're going to cover much later, I'm sure, is that when they were creating the character of uh, Andy Garcia's character in The Godfather Part 3, uh, Vincent, um, Andy Garcia did say in an interview, because they wanted to create a character that had a bit of all four of Vito's sons. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. But, and they put um, him in a fucking leather jacket. But that's... Yeah, true, exactly. But, but, but excellent point, and I agree. I think that um, – I think Tom is such a special character, and uh, I, I almost want – I remember in the past they had mentioned they were going to make a Godfather Part Four, maybe like 15, 20 years ago, and DiCaprio was going to play like a, a younger Sonny who was rising up in, in his father's family and stuff like that. And uh, I wanted to see like him find Tom on the street. I wanted to see this bond started. I would love to see it someday. I don't think I, I ever will, but it's – it's good to think about. Don't touch it. Don't, don't ever, don't ever touch this series again, Holly. We're going to, we're going to a little later in this episode. Gonna, so who's your, who's your silver? My silver is Francis Ford Coppola. People, some people were like, oh, Scorsese, you should have touched it. I don't think it would have been as warm if, if someone else had touched this movie. I think that uh, he really fought for Brando and Pacino to be in this movie. He even said when he read the book, he saw Pacino's face in the role because he had seen him on Broadway. Uh, as a stage actor and everything. And he knew what he wanted to do. And he said, even at one point they wanted to bring in, they wanted to bring in someone to do more violence, violent scenes. We'll bring another director in there. He was going to get fired at some point. He knew what he was doing. Just give him the time to do it. I mean, I think the uh, Coppola makes some mistakes later in some later films, but I think, uh, I think overall, I think this, he created from Mario Puzo's vision, he created the perfect film in, in my opinion. So he gets yeah. my silver. So, my silver goes to Al Pacino. And you mentioned, you know, Coppola saw him on Broadway, but this was his second role in a feature film. Mm-hmm. Just imagine being at the beginning of one of the great careers in the history of Hollywood and almost at the very beginning and knocking it out of the fucking park like this. Yes. Right. We see this guy from a, he's a war hero. He's a guy who's biting off more than they can chew. He's a guy in love. He's a cold fucking killer. And the, the change in that character over the course of the film, especially after Apollonia's death is so you can feel it. You can feel it through the screen to this day. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that unless you have, an actor as skilled as Al Pacino, especially at this point. Yeah. So I think we know, maybe you'll surprise me, but gold medal. Yeah. Gold medal goes to Brando. Um, I mean, he's, um, 
there's one scene in in particular, and you're probably not even going to know what I'm talking about. You might, but I brought this up to a few people in the past. And like I said before, I mentioned this in, on a lot of podcast episodes that I like to watch actors and what their mannerisms are when they breathe, what they look at. I think the more time you take as an actor, the, the stronger your performance is if you really take moments. And that's something that I can't do on stage when I, when I perform because plays have to be fast or else the audience starts, just starts losing it. They're like, okay, this is slow. So you can't take as many moments on stage you'd like to brando takes these moments and one moment is when him and michael are talking uh in the compound outside and uh, uh is telling michael about the phone taps and whoever approaches you is the traitor and brando's drinking wine and he's talking about the wine and um he starts talking about the phone taps again. He goes, I want to just tell you, he goes, you got to check the phone taps because it could be uh, and Michael saying like, dad, I took care of it. I took care of it. I took care of it. And, and Brandon takes a moment. And goes, oh, that's right. I forgot. And he puts his hand to his mouth and looks out into the distance. And I don't know what it is about that moment, but it's, it's so genuine and it's so real. And I feel like a lot of movies, I guess, despite, besides Tarantino, who writes perfect dialogue, there aren't a lot of real, real human moments in movies because sometimes it just feels like it's phony. It's just they're acting. They're, everyone's acting. It's just, Brando just seems like he's almost like at this point, like I've seen James Dean movies and James Dean is James Dean in movies. He is himself. There's nobody like him. Yeah. The way he, that raw, raw emotion and the way he puts his fingers in front of his mouth. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just a beautiful moment. I can't explain why I think this is, but there are little moments throughout the entire film where I just go, wow, he is just so authentic and so perfect. I, I, I get why, you know, and, and, and we're going to talk about the Academy Awards later and stuff, and he just doesn't even take it. It's just, wow, what what a performance. I mean, you, and I, I can't wait to show, talk about the recast because – who can who can do this? Can do it. Who can, can do, do it. this? I guess we'll find out. We'll, find, we'll out. find out. We'll find out. So yeah, my gold Brando as well. And every second, every moment he is on screen is a fucking masterclass. Masterpiece. Yes. You cannot take your eyes off of him for a second. And he Whenever anyone does an impression of Brando in a movie, it's always, oh, Bonacera, Bonacera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, that, like, low-key. But he's got more than that. You know, yeah. he's, he's mocking Johnny. He's got the, the I mean, God, the, the scene you mentioned where he finds out Sonny's dead. Oof, and, yeah. And he just, like, it just, ugh. Yeah, like, even for those moments when he like he's t he's blaming i'm gonna blame some of the people in this room if my son gets struck by lightning yeah. you know and he the way he takes his moments to cough and get up and he's just so involved in this character that he's 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 yeah. beyond belief he really and like, is. like i said that that character is the only character fully equipped to to run the family no nobody and, else really. and 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 rick the moment when he's lying in bed and he comes back from the hospital and he says in the lowest volume possible can barely get it out Where's Michael? Yeah. And when he finds out that he killed Soloto, the way he puts his hand up to dismiss Hagen is so feeble and he is so visibly upset. It's just an incredible moment. Because it's it's the one thing because you, you find out later in the movies, you know, I just had bigger plans, you know. Right. And he knows Michael is lost. Like he he knows it. Yeah. He's he's got he in in the same way that that Hagen does. He yep. he knows the nature of the people he's dealing with. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Recasting. I'll go first because I know you have recast the whole fucking movie. <laughs> but I only got two and you've stepped on both of them already in the episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I mean, Frank Sinatra is Johnny. 
would have been incredible. Okay. And De Niro is Sonny. And I, I, I sort of phrased the De Niro one as, as, is it better if De Niro is Sonny? Or are we better off with what we got with him playing Vito in part two? Right. <laughs> I mean, well, oh, man, I mean, I mean, all right. All so, right. yeah, you, uh, Derek, you sent me a text yesterday. And you said that as of last night, you had 13 roles recast. <laughs> yes. Have you, has that number grown? Uh, yes, 14. I have we one have, more. We have 14. Okay. I will get through them as fast as I can, but no, I have I'm to – take. I want to I let this breathe because this is important. I have your phone ready, Rick, because I don't know if you'll know some of the actors I'm talking about. You might, you might not. Okay. Um, and maybe just for a few of them. So we'll start from the very bottom, in my opinion. So I, I, the only, only, I think the only character that's very memorable that I didn't cast was Luca Brasi. I, cu- I could not figure out a Luca. Batista. And I was think I actually said Batista five times to Gia, but I said I think I would be too distracted. No. Um, well, yeah, maybe you, but f- Batista's fucking great. It's it's Batista. We yeah. got fifteen, fifteen characters. It's Batista. Yeah, the actor who plays Luca is, is a real ma- uh, was a real mafioso. So, yeah. um, okay, let's start with Johnny Fontaine. I was thinking of singers, couldn't think of a great singer. Again, Gia gets so much credit for this list. She gave me so many good ideas. And half of this is Gia. Johnny Fontaine, I went with Luke Evans, who From plays Gaston. Gaston, yeah. I was thinking about singing as a singer. Well, he sings as Gaston, and he's got an incredible uh, That's, voice. Yeah. So I figure if he can sing Broadway and he can sing uh, things like that, he could probably get away with singing a, uh, you know, kind of one of those uh, Sinatra-esque okay. songs. So with Luke Evans, he's a very good-looking man, too, as well. So I think Johnny Fontaine needs to be a good-looking yeah. guy. Officer McCluskey. Yeah. I went with J.K. Simmons. Okay. Uh, I was trying to find an actor who can bring that intensity of that piece of shit, McCluskey. Uh, I came up with him. Virgil Soloso. I went with the actor Rufus Sewell. Yep. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good call. I think he's a, he's, he plays a piece of shit really well, and he's got that lazy eye, and he's menacing looking. Rufus Sewell, you'll know listeners from A Knight's Tale and – uh, Dark City. And... Bless, the ch- bless the child. He plays yeah. that Satanist dude. Uh, great, great villainous actor. Great yeah. villainous actor. Yep, yep. Okay, this is where we get kind of interesting. Okay. Carlo, Carlo Rizzi. Yeah. I went with Zach Efron. Yeah. Uh, he's a good, I think Carlo needs to be good looking just the way he appears to be. He's this good look, he's this good guy. And Zach Efron's played also Ted Bundy. He can do kind of crazy asshole and also be good looking. I think Zach yeah. is a good choice. Yep. I like that. Um, Connie Corleone was a little tough. I went with the actress who was in Deadpool, Marina ba- Baccarin. Oh uh, she, yeah. Is she, so is she the only thing and I hate to do this, No, no. but is she a little too old? To play. She might be. She might be. Yeah. And again, if I missed it a little bit, I tried my best to do what the age group was. But she was great. She was great. She was in Firefly, the TV show. She's she was in Gotham, the TV show. She's, she's a great actress. Yeah. Um, you might be yeah, right she, about that. So some of the ages I went with you, you might, you might say yeah. too old. She's, 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 I mean, I think her a few years ago would have been perfect. So I, yeah. I think you're going with that. And, 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 and I will say some of these actors later on, we're going to get to the big ones. Yeah. Give me some freedom because I think you might be right about some of them. They're a little bit yeah. too old, but also have that face where they could look at a certain age. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, here's where, here's where uh, Gia blew my mind. Okay. Tessio. Okay. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I don't know. I just, well, Gia, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I think that would be really interesting. Um, it just because I think Abe Vigod is a very playful actor. We, uh, we got to get back and get my new, my own family. <laughs> if you were here last night, that's exactly what I said. 
telling Michael he needs to think more fourth dimensionally. Tom, um, can, you, can you get me off the hook for old time's <laughs> sake? He's just got the dark brown hair. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, this is now this is where it gets kind of muddy. I don't okay. know. I don't. I still don't know how I feel about this one. Clemenza. Yeah. Vincent Pastor, who plays Big Pussy in The Sopranos. Yeah. The older he looks, I've seen him in a lot of interviews lately. He just looks more like a an old school mafioso now. I like him with white hair, and I thought uh, he's he's got the weight like Clemenza. I think he might do a good job. Um, plus, I couldn't think of anybody else. Yeah. Uh, so this I should probably should have said this person first because this is another character people not, might not remember. Pauly Gatto, who gets killed early on for betraying the Don. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo Bellarini. He is uh, in The Sopranos. He plays Corky. Uh, he's uh, is a drug addict who's always with Christopher Maltesanti. He helps take out some hits. He's in a movie called Dinner Rush. He is what I'd think of as one of the most perfect faces in Hollywood, kind of like Killian Murphy. Uh, he's yeah. just got that face, striking face, and I thought he played a good, a good uh, uh, Polly. And also, I just wanted to get him in this movie. Okay, uh, he yeah. is definitely too old. He's fifty-one, uh, but he doesn't look it. He looks, yeah, like, no, he, he, he looks like he's like 30, but uh, he's yeah. a very, he's a very good actor that no one knows about. All right. Here we get to the big stuff. Uh, okay. K, K Adams. Yep. This was really hard. So this could uh, be any, so K, I yeah. think, I think can be it. I mean, with, with a lot of the other roles you're tied to like, it's gotta be someone who, you know, looks a certain way, you know? Yep. And, and I think with K, it's just gotta be someone who's not Italian. And that's yeah, it. yeah. I went with a few English actors going forward, so you might be surprised yeah. by this. And I, I, again, this is a hard one, but I went with Emily Blunt. Yeah, uh, I thought that she could pull the role off and, and bring some color to it as well. Plus, she's always somebody who I kind of root for in movies. Yeah, she just has that face. Uh, okay, here we get to the fun stuff. Okay, Fredo Colleone. Okay, uh, Gia originally convinced if, me. If you don't fucking say Sam Rockwell, I'm gonna. Be Sam shocked. Rockwell was my first choice. Yeah, he's too fucking old. He's way too old to play Fredo. Fucking uh, con- your Connie is forty. So okay, I, 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 I think I, I think I have a better I think I have All a better right. Fredo. But I will say the first choice that Gia told me, she said, "What about Joaquin Phoenix?" And I said, "God damn it, Gia, that is a good choice because yep. he's so he plays that emotional so well." Yeah. But I went with, and Gia agrees with me. I think she actually gave me this one, Giovanni Ribisi. Okay. He has something about him that's feeble. And he's always he has that sort of like wanderous face, kind of like not knowing what's going on. I think he, he's uh, he's Italian, Giovanni Ribisi. He doesn't necessarily oh, look think, Italian. Yeah, Giovanni Ribisi. Right. And and I think I, when she said his name, I said, "Wow, you're doing really good today with yeah. casting choices." Uh, okay, here we go. Tom Hagen. Again, I think there's another Gia. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Uh, I thought, I, wow, not bad. Hagen's another, Hagen's another character you could go any direction with. It's, but, but it's got to yeah. be, it's got to be good. You need, you need to screen yeah. test a lot of actors to make sure yeah. they, they nail it. Uh, okay. The three big ones, uh, Sonny Colleone, Tom Hardy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I went with Tom Hardy here. I think after this, so Michael Colleone, holy shit. Uh, I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I think, uh, I think he's so versatile that he could nail it. I think yeah. he could do all the aspects of Michael. And I thought, I said, gee, I said, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tom Hardy, Tom Hiddleston, and Giovanni Ribisi. I can see it. Yeah. And I think we did a good job. And this was the final nail in the coffin of what I'm doing here. And okay. Vito so Colleone. Vito, 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 Vito Colleone. Who's going to play through, Vito Colleone? Walk me through your thought process. Who is an actor who can literally do fucking anything? Can I guess? Yes. Did we talk about him in a recasting last week? E- no. No? Okay. 
I don't, I don't know who is that? I, 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 unless I forgot, I don't remember his name coming up. I think this would be the ultimate role of his lifetime, even okay. though he's done some lifetime roles. But this would yeah. go to Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, my mother. What, my mother. Earlier, she fought me. She said Daniel Day Lewis and Jake Gyllenhaal. I said, Mom, you don't know movies like I do. I got a yeah. podcast on this. I said, Believe me, Daniel Day Lewis can do anything. Um, and I said, I could just picture him and Jake Gyllenhaal sitting in the patio. I could, I just think we did a really good job, me and you. This is, I think this is our, this was our shining moment of recasting. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's going to be tough to top. I don't know what you're going to do next week for Godfather Part 2. I, I already you have, have some you, ideas. You're going to have, have to ideas. do all those same roles over again. With no, 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 I'm not. I'm actually not. I'm actually, I'm only doing, I'm only going to do the ones that are like young Vito, young Clemenza, young Tessio, Frank Pantangeli, yep. Hyman Roth, Johnny Ola, Pat Gary. I'm going to do the ones that you don't know, but yep. uh, these characters would, these actors would be flowing over to the second movie for me. Okay. So, folks, this is perhaps Derek's finest moment, maybe in his life. I don't, it's one of his bigger accomplishments. Give him a hand while you're sitting listening to this. I Great deserve job, it. Derek. Great job. <laughs> Great job, Derek. Great job, Gia. That was, uh, that was something. We hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, <laughs> I yeah. certainly did. I had a lot of fun. And if you guys have any ideas, let us know. Follow us on social media. Tell us on Facebook, on Twitter. Email us. Speaking of Twitter, our Twitter follow of the week. Believe it or not, the cast of this movie and people who are having to do this movie, not really on Twitter. Yeah. Weird. Weird. But uh, you can follow at Godfather Movie for just updates on the series. We'll be following them and uh, see, what's, uh, see what's going on with the Godfather. So, thing this movie does best could be a lot could be a lot i have one it's just probably the strongest cast like there's no weak link in the cast really like the best overall performance by a cast that i that i can think of i agree 100 percent. do you have anything else what does this movie do better than any other movie clear answer it is better than every other movie so this is it. This is it for you. This is this, the greatest this, movie this, of all time. This is the greatest film of all time. This is number one. This is the head honcho. This is the WWE champion. This is the, the greatest film I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I wish this episode was an hour longer today because I just want to talk about every scene. It is the greatest movie of all time, in my opinion. Well, that's, well we know what's going to be number one on Derek's ballot, but... Keep listening to our episodes. This is episode number 31, I do believe. Once we get to 50, we're ranking the previous 50. Maybe Godfather ends up on top of the list. Maybe not. Maybe it's Godfather 2. I, I can't wait to talk about number two. Ben, and we'll talk about where maybe that ranks. Maybe, maybe it's the Cider House rules. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out because you know, anyone who's going to be a guest on this show has the ability to vote. And they may have different opinions than Derek. Yeah. And I may have different opinions than Derek. You may, you may. Yeah. So that's what we thought. Let's talk about what the folks in the Academy thought. And that is done every year, as we know. And this is Oscar week. When this episode goes out, the Oscars will have just happened just a few days ago. They do this every year. So let's look at the Oscars took place in the year of our Lord, 1973. Our Lord? The year of Anno Domini, year of our Lord. And the Godfather won 
Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and Best Editing. So, let's talk about the major categories. And, of course, we start with Best Picture, which it wins. The other nominees, it's not a bad year. Godfather wins. Other nominees are Cabaret, Deliverance, which is a weird, good movie, but weird nominee for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. The Emigrants and Sounder. I think Cabaret, very good movie. Deliverance, good movie. I haven't seen the other two. Godfather, very deserving winner, right? Yeah. If you think it's the greatest movie of all time. I would think so. Yeah, I think that the, the, yeah, no movie compares, so yes. All right. So best director, Bob Fosse wins for Cabaret. John Borman nominated for Deliverance. Jan or Jan Troil for The Immigrants. Coppola for The Godfather. And Joseph Mankiewicz for Sleuth. So I think it takes it takes a lot of skill to direct a musical, especially one like Cabaret. Mm-hmm. And Bob Fosse, very well-known and very respected director. Got to be Coppola, though, right? Got to be Coppola. Got to be Coppola. He, yeah. He, it's, it's, and, and again, this is I know this is a long uh, segment of ours, but I want to say, too, is uh, there was a lot of shit going on during the making of this movie. The mafia got involved in this movie. Joe Colombo was involved in this movie. Francis Ford Coppola, he got death threats. He got all kinds of shit happening, and he still made this movie. And the guy is gutsy, and he deserves the Academy Award this year. Right. I, yeah, I'm not going to argue that at all. So, Best Actor, Brando wins. Mm-hmm. Other nominees are Best Supporting Actor winner from the year 2000, Michael Caine, uh, in, <laughs> in Sleuth. I don't know if I can take him like seriously anymore after seeing Cider House Fools. We'll have to do a good Caine movie to like get, to yeah. wash the wash the taste out of that one out of our mouths. Please, we'll have, to, we'll have to do like Dark Knight or something. Lawrence Olivier also in Sleuth, Peter O'Toole in The Ruling Class, and Paul Winfield in Sounder. So. You know, legends nominated here, but Brando. I mean, this this is one of the great and iconic performances in all the movies. So agreed, got to be Brando. Yep. Best actress. You know, are we looking at Diane Keaton as best actress or best supporting? I would say, if if again, to answer your question, if we had to nominate her, I would probably say supporting. Okay. Um, but I would also say uh, just just to just to leap over that one. Uh, I wouldn't actually nominate any any women from this movie, and okay. uh, I think so. It's my opinion. Okay. No Apollonia for best supporting, or uh, I mean, she certainly Monday, has, I don't, Tuesday, I don't, I, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Sunday, Saturday. <laughs> I'm glad you got it wrong, just like she did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she's not in the movie long enough for me to even consider her. I think, um, but regardless of what I think, I think all three of them did a tremendous job. Okay. So best supporting actor. So, this is a clear case of there are five nominees and three of them are from the godfather did this ever happen in any other movie i wonder three? i don't know i don't know and they're all your bronze medal winners it's james Caan, robert yep. duvall al pacino and yep. they absolutely fucking cannibalize each other's votes because joel gray wins as the mc in cabaret good performance but i think he benefited from being nominated against these these other Right. Yeah, three actions in the movie, and also Eddie Albert is nominated for the Heartbreak Kid. 
Wait, 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 wait. Excuse me. Shawn Michaels wasn't nominated for that movie? No, it's the movie is about Shawn Michaels. You, oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So I think he was probably two years old at this point. So they had <laughs> already made a movie. No, it's yep. that, that. Yeah, the Heartbreak Kid is uh, where he stole that from. So, Derek, I got to ask, and you had him tied. If you had to pick one, is it Jimmy Kahn? Is it Bobby Duvall? Is it Al Pacino? I will say I know who it's not. And I don't think at this point yet I would give this to Al Pacino. And, and, and again, if anyone's saying, what the hell, Derek? Shut your mouth. Al Pacino, in my opinion, is in the top five greatest actors of all time. Shut your mouth. I think he's tremendous. And I think he's excellent in this movie. But I think he gets better as an actor. And I think he, he's even he, arguably better in part two. But I think this goes either to Duvall or Khan, and uh, I think it might go to Khan just because he does Khan! have the, he does get the epic death scene. He gets the send off. He's not in the Godfather Part Two. He does a tremendous job in the role. He he makes you believe everything that he says. I think I'm going with James Khan for this for this one. I think I'd go with Pacino. Okay, and I think I mean we'll talk about his performance in Part Two more because Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, come on. But I think Pacino should win for this. I think there's more meat on the bone for Michael. I think he's – the character is so fully realized. Duvall comes close. Duvall's a close second. But I think for me, it's Pacino. For me, it's Pacino. I humbly, humbly respect your opinion. You're damn right I think, you do. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a great it's, – it's, and again, I think you can agree with me that this is, this is pretty difficult. Yeah. There's a reason why all three actors got nominated. Yeah. It's it's a tough one. Uh, it's a tough one to choose. So that was our episode on the movie that Derek thinks, at least at this point, because we're gonna watch every single one ever made just to make sure, is the greatest movie of all time. Do you agree with him? Do you have a different opinion? Do you think two is better? Well, we're gonna be speaking to you next week because next week we're doing godfather part goddamn two which and is the, I, which I, is I the just, official that was actually the working title godfather I just, part, godfather. B- before we even move forward i just want to th- go ahead and sit here and thank rick barrasso my, my my good good buddy one of my closest friends for allowing us to do the godfather part two before we did star wars the empire strikes back because i know how much he wants to do that one and i know that's also one of the greatest sequels ever. So I just want to thank you, Rick, for, for allowing us to do these movies back to back. Well, it's, it's great in a different way. And we're doing Godfather Part 2 next week. It kicks off sequel month. That's right. We're doing sequels to movies we've already done. Next week, Godfather Part 2. Week after that, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This is like a Can't fucking – this is a Derek run because after that <laughs> – Back to the Future Part Two, uh-huh. with a guest you have uh, arranged for us, and who is that? Yes, for Back to the Future Part Two is my buddy Lucas Lamott, and I'm so excited about it because he's a big movie buff as well as us, uh, and he's a lot of fun. So we're gonna have a, a great time with him. And after that, to round out Sequel Month, we're going to another one of your favorites, which is also one of my favorites: Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Yes, and we're, we're gonna having- have. A- Joe yeah. Boynton, he's back. Yeah. An, another a, a returning guest. So we're looking forward to that. So that's going to be sequel month of, in all of May. So get ready for that. To borrow a phrase from our very first episode, 
hang on to your butts. <laughs> so can't wait to have you back for that. And then June, we won't get into it yet, but June's going to be a lot of fun as well. Yep. A lot of fun guests as well. A lot of fun guests coming up, some returning guests, some new guests coming up as well. Can't wait. So that's our episode on The Godfather. Derek, what do you have coming up on our sister show, The Greatest Album of All Time? So in this time frame, uh, and this will already be out, but I, uh, I'm at the next episode is uh, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill album from 1995. Absolutely. I knew the hits, but listening to this album blew my mind at how many of the tracks on it that weren't singles that are great. Uh, powerhouse album that year uh, with my friend Lee Moretti, who is um, the, uh, she is the front uh, person singer for the band, the Furies. And she also was previously the uh, in, uh, multi-instrumentalist and tour guitarist for Third Eye Blind. And she is an awesome person and uh, it was a lot of fun. But the week after that is finally, we got Rick on to do Nirvana Unplugged, which is very uncharacteristic of my podcast because it's not a studio album. So this is the first time I've ever not done a studio album. I may chastise Rick several times during the episode, but it's going to be fun. You know, chastise me? <laughs> you, what I'm are you, joking. my father? I'm joking with you. Chastise me? Hey, no, I'm joking with you. Hey, you killed you. Fuck you. You killed the guy. Forget about it. We, we might be doing good fellows soon. I don't know. We'll find maybe, out. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, everybody, for listening. Well, I've, well, you you haven't been our host quite yet, Rick, because the most important part of this episode. Oh, hasn't you're absolutely yet. right. What am I? thinking and i think we God all know damn it i think we all know what damn, i'm gonna say damn it damn it son of a bitch all right no all right Man. so so derek no 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 more meetings wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute who says you can't kill a cop <laughs> we're talking about a dirty cop who got caught up on the rackets anyway we almost missed the most important part of the podcast. God damn it. Thank you, Derek, for reminding me. Because I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Don't need it. And you're going to goddamn use it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek is going to explain to us why, in detail, fully sourced in the correct format, why The Godfather, despite not having things that Derek has used before in examples of the greatest movie of all time. Like for instance, Tim Curry is not in drag in this movie. It's tough. It's it's, it hurts. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis is not in this movie. It's true. So all things Derek has, has has raved about in the past, not in this movie, but Derek's going to tell us what is in this movie. What makes it great. Derek, I'm going to, I think we're going to get a different answer this time. Are you ready? I am absolutely 100% ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. This is the greatest movie of all time. This is the best acting of all time, the best cinematography of all time. I think quite possibly the greatest direction of all time. Uh, this movie hits home so hard for me that I sometimes feel like I'm part of the Corleone family when I'm watching this movie. Um, I, I love every character. Uh, it's, it's very dramatic. I love the music. I love everything about it. This is my absolute number one movie of all time. And that is time you did it in 24 seconds. Great job, Derek. We had a lot of fun with this episode. Listen to us next week as we follow this up with Godfather Part 2. Perhaps one of the only movies better than this. We'll find out.
For now, though, I have been your co-host, the big Italian. <laughs> you, uh, you already used that, so I'm, I know that's I'm all right. You I'm, using, I'm using it again because right. it's appropriate. All right. Well, I'm 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 the big deck Boski, and something I just want to leave the audience with yeah. a very important thing is I want you to make sure that you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Keep watching, everybody. <laughs>